pastor here. And it's interesting how things happened. A number of years ago, probably six, seven years ago, we had a man by the name of Dr. Kent Copeland come to our church in Minnesota. We were looking for someone to come for our missions conference, and one of our people in our district told us, hey, this guy is here, he's in the States, so we brought him up. And after, after the conference, just in passing, just a, a passing comedy said, you need to have Sut and Sina Lao come to your church. He said, they're our neighbors in Cambodia, and he said, they're very good speakers. And so we invited them to come to, come to Minnesota. And when they came, they came from 93-degree temperature in October in Cambodia to Minnesota, and it was like in the, in the mid-60s, and they were cold. But by the time that Sina and Becca had gotten from the, from where we met them at the airport down to the bottom to where we went out to the parking lot, I could already hear them, da, 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 and I knew that they were, they were fast friends. They invited us to come to Cambodia, and after that, we were invited, as Beck and I were invited as, to come to Cambodia as the pastoral care team for our team in Cambodia. So we've traveled all over Cambodia with Sut and Sina. We've ministered with them in northwest, uh, in northwest uh, Cambodia and seen what it is that God is doing in it is really Book of Acts kind of stuff that is happening there right now, and it's for a season. And when I asked them the other day, I said, Where do you, what do you attribute all of this to? Because people are coming to the Lord just left and right. And they said one of the churches fasted and prayed for two years. They fasted and prayed for two years that God would send them someone to teach them, someone to help them out. And we see some of the fruit of that this morning. Would you welcome this morning, Sit and Sina Lao. Good morning. Um, when we told our friend and that uh, we coming to Hong Kong, and uh, one thing they asked like, why you go to Hong Kong? I said, why? And because they were thinking about what's going on, the chaotic happening. He said, oh, there's nothing compared to us during the communist regime. Nothing happened. I mean, for nothing to for scare scare us. And uh, we just glad to be here. And thank you for having us here. And um, we, uh, we are just um, grateful and looking forward and when Pastor Joe and asked us to come to, to Hong Kong. And, and uh, we, we just want to say yes right away, but uh, I said, oh, well, I, I, I better wait a little bit. And, uh, and uh, touch Pastor Joe like, oh, let us pray first. <laughs> but actually, we really want to come to Hong Kong. <laughs> and uh, this is our first time to be here. Thank you so much. Um, just want to... Uh, just wonder, like, how many people have been to Cambodia? Wow, you probably speak some Khmer too, right? <laughs> so we, we, we're going to learn, uh, teach you how to uh, speak, uh, how to greet in Cambodian. Please stand up with us one more time. <laughs> and uh, when you meet uh, people, usually uh, the same age uh, or older, you have to put your hand up like this, up to the nose, not like down here, to the nose. And uh, you bow your head a little bit and say, Chum Riep Su. Chum Riep Su. Wow, sound very Cambodian. (laughs) Thank you so much. Please be seated. Yes. So Sina and I were born and raised in Cambodia. 
Our children we went through and had miraculously survived the most horrid war known as the Killing Field that took place on April 17, 1975, where, our two mil, uh, where there were two, uh, over 2 million people uh, were killed. In the early 1980, in a desperate search for freedom and a chance to stay alive, we escaped Cambodia and found refuge through living inside refugee camps along the border, uh, along the Thai borders. Sina met the Lord uh, her, as her savior inside the refugee camps, and the Lord found me in the Bronx, New York. And also we met, uh, uh, I, I met Sina also in, uh, in the Bronx as well. And after high school, I went to uh, Naya College um, uh, uh, school in the 1991, while Sina pursued her nursing in uh, New York City. And um, in 1992, we got married, and I served as a pastor to my home church for three years. And um, then, 1995, the Lord had called us to come to uh, to serve in Cambodia. And um, when we when we left Cambodia, we left the killing field. And 1995, the Lord called us to come back to the living field. And uh, this is our children. Go ahead. Yeah. So we have two children, and our oldest uh, married and had given us eight-month-old grandson. So we're grandparents. Cambodian people, also known as the Khmer people, are very generous and hospitable. And they're very gentle and very smiling people. We are known as the people from the land of the smiling. When greeting one another, they would bow gently bow and say as you have done earlier. During our first um, terms in Cambodia in '95, uh, we would travel to distant villages um, three times a week to remote places to teach discipleship and leadership training. We would drive three hours, two to three hours on bumpy roads and spend uh, three or four hours with the people and fellowship with them. And so all day long at the village, our students would come, bicycle, walking, and ride an ox cart. And they always come with um, bearing gifts. Their gifts, whatever they have in, from home, whether uh, fruits from the uh, garden, or mangoes, coconuts, or papayas, or any vegetation they found. And oftentimes, we found uh, they gave us meat, frog meat, crabs, snails, snakes, rabbit meat, whatever they found. It was their best and they would give it to us. And at mealtime, they would very generously make sure that we have a feast to feed on the eat. And sometimes they would butcher a big fat chicken to prepare a feast for us. Now, because of poverty, they don't eat meat or chicken every meal. Those meat or fish, babies, small fish are a common meal. But meat and chicken are reserved for a special occasion. But when poor people give you big feast, we feel like kind of guilty to accept their gift, but that was their way of showing love and um, respect to the teachers, and if we uh, refuse their gift, we insult their um, generosity. So this is our way of learning how to accept their gift and with humility and give back gift in return. The Alliance Mission Statement we desire to know Jesus Christ as Savior, Sanctifier, 
healer, and coming king. And to complete his great commission, we fulfill this through one, evangelize and discipling people throughout the United States. Second, incorporating them into Christ-centered community, focused congregations. And third, mobilizing them to act in role in a global effort designed to plan Great Commission churches among and engage and rich and unresponsive people worldwide. The Alliance has now served in over 80 countries around the world, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ through every tribe and every tongue. Because of this moment, the Alliance entered Cambodia since 1923, where we now have about 200 nationals, uh, churches, under the umbrella of the uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance. For Sina and I, our role in this moment is to discipleship and leadership trainings among the new believers in Anlongwing, as you see on the, the star there. Uh, in the northern part of Cambodia, uh, we start in July 2017. So prior to this, we served in Poipet, also not a border country, northern, northwest part of Cambodia for 13 years. But in 2017, God um, have a plan for us to a new location. So um, it's located on the northern bar, uh, part of Cambodia, also in the Thai border. And Lung Wing was the headquarter for the Khmer Rouge regimes during the um, Killing Fields era. And so this was a very notorious regime, where, as you described, it killed over 2 million people of um, um, Cambodian. And for us, we lost significant numbers of family as well. And this is the place where most former Khmer Rouge regions, uh, uh, leaders have their hiding places and they are high, um, they, um, hidden there for a long time. In 1998, the population was uh, um, only 5,000. Ten years later, it went to uh, 150,000. And uh, although the Khmer Rouge, um, the communists gave up their power to the surrender to the local governments in 1997, but those, uh, they were still in hiding for the next 20 years. Um, because of the um, history of Anlong Wing, not many people willing to go, even national people, will avoid Anlong Wing at all costs because of the dangerous of, um, situation. Um, relatively, it is safe to live there now, but again, due to the dark history, um, people would question, why you want to go to Anlong Wing? Um, before, when we accepted the call to go to Anlong Wing, we did not know about the existing churches or any um, alliance people work there. So we just wanted willing to go when there's a need there. But after we settled down in July um, 17 and we met some of few leaders there, we discovered that we inherited five alliance churches scattered all over Anlong Wing, all new believers, like by four or five months old. And so... Um, so our role since then has been heavily invested on discipleship and leadership training those young believers. As uh, I read in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? 
And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear, they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. One of the alliant core values is that lost people matter to God. He wants them found. And each of you that you're sitting here just want to share that you have played you have, have play a big role. And uh, through your prayer, through, through your finance, financial support, through, uh, through the Great Commission Fund. And today you are about to hear the story. And the story that you are going to hear is part of you too. Because you, what you have been praying and what you have been giving. Although we know Pastor D for off and on for many years, our friendship became intensified when we moved to Nungweng, and uh, and we well, after through um, meeting him, we learned that he's at age 54. He's a loving father of three adult children, a devoted husband, a very humble man of God, and Pastor D also known as a man of prayer. Originally, he came from uh, a province called Kampung Cham, south, um, southeast part of Cambodia. But due to financial uh, crisis, even as a young believer then, he uprooted his family to move to settle down in Srinoy area in the Syrian province in two, um, 2008. And to survive, Dee and his two young sons uh, made a living as um, carpentry. They built furniture from uh, exotic wood and sell them for a living. Um, Dee became, not only that, became... Um, because of poverty, he ran away from his hometown to settle in Srinoy area. But God found him in his hiding place and gave him a new purpose, a new sense of direction. Right from Srinoy, he became a spiritual leader and studied God's word and leading his group of believers to the next level. Every night, he and the leaders and their family would gather to pray, to petition to God. Their prayer would be the same. God, reveal yourself to us. Please come and show us your ways. Twice a month, the church would fast and pray, asking for God to send someone to teach them God's word. And as a result, um, God revealed himself to them in uh, mighty ways, and they were able to see um, miracles and powers and deliverance ministries through that. Every week during church service, Pastor D and Srinoy Church would witness people come into church bringing their um, people with sick or demon-possessed or any kind of illness. And after prayer for, they saw the immediate healings. Transformation took place. People come with angry face. All of a sudden when the hand of God touched a smiling face and a restore a life restore. So Srinoy Church located not too far from the popular market. And so whenever a crazy person got healed, word spreads. And when word spread in the market, everybody thought, you have to see to this church. There's something happening in this church. So as a result, people after hearing the news, they actually walked to church and when Pastor asked, What do you want? I want to be part of Jesus too. And so from there, just people coming to pray, we pray for and receive Christ. 
And sometime recently, recently Pastor Lee said, I'm so tired of leading people to the Lord. <laughs> After we settled down in um, uh, Boy Bed uh, and along way for a season, we were introduced to some key people. And one day in October 17, we took, all seven of us took a boat ride, um, an open boat ride on the cross, the big and lace up. We were on our way to visit um, a, a daughter church, a, a side church in um, a floating, um, floating village. And because it's a two-hour ride, and I had no life jacket with me, I was so fearful. So a guy said to me, he said, tell me your story. And this is Kong's story. On November 17, uh, 15, rather, no, 2015, Kong was 50 years old and a farmer, a very abusive husband, alcoholic, white-beating, drunken man, and a father of six children. He's also um, um, just a very mean person in the community. Everybody knows who Kong is or was. And as a farmer, he also... Um, um, make a living by a log, cutting logs illegally, and he transferred on this trailer called Mechanical Cow, and then he make charcoals out of that. His wife fed up with his beating, so when the good news of Jesus came, she willingly accepted Jesus and was thinking about that. And so Okong was at a decision about should he follow the new God with his wife or should he become a Buddhist priest because yeah, he had the age for that. That's when he encountered um, an accident that defined the moment. So one day, he and his young son was in this oven trying to remove um, burn up charcoal to clean up um, things. And so when they were uh, removing, the cave collapsed bury him and the little boy inside. So his wife, um, from a distance, was taking a bath, and she saw the whole thing. She said, Jesus, Jesus, help my husband. She shouted from the top of her, her lungs, Jesus, help my husband. So when she shouted so loud, the neighbors, the villagers, came rushed to the site. When they saw the site, um, Kang later on told us that, Upon hearing the voice of his wife saying, Jesus, help me, he felt two hands grip his shoulders, pull him out of the cave. So when wife arrived at the site, he was already outside, outside the cave. And then, but the boy said, Daddy, Daddy, help me. So they were scampering, scratched the crawling, crawling, trying to get the boy out. When they finally located the little boy, they got him out, he was safe, unharmed. But then Kong noticed that his nose, his eyes were dripping with blood, and he felt excruciating pain all over his body. And then at the same time, when he started coughing, his um, blood come out, and then the eyeball the, um, on his right eyeball come out on, and hang on by the ligament on his socket. And so all him, his wife, and all the villagers saw this. So they put a cloth wrapped over him, take him back, so they were like, What's going on with the eyeball hanging on his cheek? So they took him to, on a motorbike across the dusty path to Srinoy area. And um, they stopped at four clinics trying to figure out, get help. But each of the staff clinics, the staff said, no, we cannot touch them. You have to take him to provincial hospital, which is about an hour and a half, two hour drive. And they have no money to go. So at that moment, after four clinics, um, nobody's willing to take him. Kang said, 
the, uh, he realized that the series of his sickness, he said, um, take me to your church, he told his wife. Whether I live or die, take me to your church. I don't want to go to the hospital. So obediently, the wife took him to the church. Pastor D, welcome. And when he saw the eyes, said, no, take them to the hospital. And Kang said, no, um, I pray to your God, pray to your prayer, Yesu, and I will not go. I will not go. Whether I live or die, I will stay here. So seeing his determination, D reluctantly prayed. And they all watched this, the eye hanger. When they prayed, and Kang felt that electric shock, something shocked him, and, and he fell. And while when, when Dee prayed or hands over the glove, he felt a warm glowing on his palm. And so when they say amen, all of the people saw the eye return to its socket. And Kong shouted, I am healed. Your Jesus healed me. I am healed. But Dee and his wife determined that he needed to be seen by a proper doctor. So they raised up some funds and sent them on a motorbike to CMD Provincial Hospital. At the hospital, the doctor did all the necessary testing, x-ray and CAT scan. And the doctor said, um, if it's not for the swelling and the blood stain on your nose and your ear, I don't think you have any injury and no, no sign of fracture at all. At the hospital, people would say, how? You must have some magic. You must somehow have some, some power. How did you get this healed? He said, I don't have any magic. I, my, the, wife of my, uh, the God of my wife healed me. Pray, Jesus heal me. And they keep going on and on and on. And, and then I realized that I must go home to tell my family. So when he came back to Srinoy, he first stopped at the four clinics and present himself to the staff. And the guys, the staff would say, are you the guy with the eyeball? And say, yeah, what happened? Who healed you? He said, Jesus healed me. Then he went back to Srinoy. And Pastor Lee said, wow, your eyes healed. He said, I told you, Jesus healed me. And from there, Kong realized that God has spared his life for a reason. He should have been dead, but he's alive. So he went back to his hometown. Kang have eight adult siblings. His determination was to share Christ to all his adult siblings. And they all knew who Kang was. Very mean, angry, white beating. Now Kang is a changed person. It's only a few days later. He's crying, pleading to know this one true God, the living God, his name is Jesus. Come and believe. And because they saw him before, they know him before, and now they know this guy now, and he's healing. Everybody knows about his eye. And they come to the Lord through his testimony. And Kong was not determined to only settle down with his family. He goes to everybody, and even phone calls. Some people who met him, who uh, come to Christ through Kong's testimony, went home changed. And the family members, what happened to you? And he said, I met his name, name and his name is Kong. He told me about the one true God. And the family said, well, let me talk to him too. So the family would call Kong. And it said, true, there's one true God named Jesus. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kong have um, led more people to the Lord through telephone. Then in person, and so God have a special touch on this man, and he's such a humble, humble servant of God. He had no school. He cannot read or write, 
but he have this little radio, MP3 radio, and he just listen and he share. And sometimes he's so poor, he have no money to go for a few weeks. Just trust God. God, this family, this village need to be saved. I don't know how I'm going. I have no fuel, but you'll take me there. And God provides constantly. And it's a privilege for us to work with Kang. Right now, he studies um, Christian family with me. And he's continued to be on fire for God. Every week, <laughs> he would call us, Pastor, on your way to my class, can you stop by this village? Because I just led them to the Lord. We had to remind Kong, slow down. We could not keep up with him. He just bring more people to the Lord. And so it's just he's on fire with the Lord all the time. And for us, it's a privilege to know him as um, the man of God who loved God so much. November 2018, we were um, busy um, teaching a church in Tupac uh, Village. Then a family came by, family of four. Nguyen, her husband Kane, and two children came by. And, and they said, some, we thought we'd just come through, and that, but they sat through the service. And at the end of the service, they said, we want to believe in Jesus too. For us, we're not as excited when people are to believe in Jesus because, uh, because of poverty, people come to Christ for many reasons, for rice, for medical, for other things. So we, we don't quickly led them to the Lord until they find the true reason. So we told them, tell me why you want to believe in Jesus. And this is Nguyen's story. Nguyen uh, came from a Chinese background for unexplained reason. I suffered three, four months of um, chronic body pain, joint pains, maybe like autoimmune disease. And uh, she was in so much pain. And she, went, she spent all their money and their wealth to go for which doctors, um, any medicine men, to uh, Vietnam, to Thailand, and to anything, nothing for help. And one day she was so fed up. After lying in bed for three months, not able to help her family, she telephoned her um, relative who lived in a distant village who happened to be a new believer. And he said, Uncle, I'm tired of this religion. It costs me so much money. I think I'm going to try um, prayer Yesu. And the uncle, being a new believer, said, Well, you come to my village. There's a city people come to my village and have a, a baptismal service. And he did not know. She, so she's um, anxious to be healed, went to her, his village. At his village, there was about 200 people. I flood all over. There was an evangelism outreach in the village. And they were having a baptismal service. And so people went online to get baptized. And no one, have no, um, no one had explained to her, never heard the gospel before. But she was anxious to get healed, so wait online. And then as she got closer, she said, Jesus, if you're real, please show, um, show yourself to me. I want to get better. And her faith made her one step further, one step further. And then when she touched the water, she felt a sense of energy. The pastors baptized many people. And he never asked where Nguyen came from. He just, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, baptized. And she, at that moment, through her faith, she came out feeling strong and held, uh, uh, much stronger. So, in that village, while pregnant, was talking to the other believers, she met a Christian, uh, a lion couple, who said, um, and, and she told her, where do you live? And I said, I live in Tupac. Oh, you should check out Pastor Sue and Sina. They live in Tupac. There's a church there. 
And that's how she came. And so when Nguyen came to church, she wanted to dedicate her life to Christ. And we asked, um, do you have any spirit string? Cambodian people do to uh, worship Satan and uh, evil. They, put, um, they go to witch doctors and have, uh, put some money. They give, the doctor would put us, um, the, the uh, healing medicine would give a string they wear around their body for protections and to ward off evil spirit. So when asked Noon, you had that spirit string? Oh, I cut it off a long time ago. And she came to the Lord. The amazing part is that Noon, um, a strong ancestral worship. And she was sick for three, three months. And people said, hey, what happened to you? You're stronger. What medicine you take? Or where did you go? Who healed you? Who helped you? She said, I believe in Jesus. He took away my sickness. And this um, February, um, when you have celebrated Chinese New Year, every year she would have a festival of Chinese celebration. Last February, she did not have any. She said, I believe in Jesus now. No more shrine, no more ancestor. No one has five adult siblings. She said, Jesus is real. Come and try. Come and see. He healed me, and he can touch your life too. We are excited to see God at working in Anlong Wang and all over Cambodia. The gospel of Jesus Christ being reached to lost people in Cambodia. And the people who once were lost without any hope. And because of the good news of Jesus Christ, they are seeing the light and are finding hope and salvation in the living God. As previous year, in July, 2000, uh, in July 2017, when we first arrived into a long wing. We did not know about the existing alliance churches in the areas. But after meeting Kong and some of the key church leaders, we discovered 12 village alliance church gatherings scattered all over on long wing areas. Of these 12 places, there are about 300 believers meeting regularly for church services and six, uh, and six weekly discipleship classes. And so far, we had two baptismal services. And um, there's uh, altogether, uh, on these two places, 78 people just get baptized. And we are so praise the Lord. And uh, we have more, uh, December 25th, we're going to have more baptismal uh, uh, for, for this new believer. We are so grateful for God has been and uh, working in uh, this area in a long way. Uh, what I didn't share is, since August to um, beginning of November, we have a movement of revival. 78 people came to the Lord. So Christmas Day, we're going to baptize those people. <laughs> if God is speaking to your heart today, after you hear all this story, it's not our story. God is at work in Anlong Wing in Cambodia. If God has touched your heart today, I invite you to join me, join us in this movement efforts. First of all, pray. Pray for our ministry in Cambodia. Um, we live in the darkest place in a border town, former stronghold, Khmer Rouge regime. Dark, dark place, but God brought in some light, hope to the lost people of this site. Pray that those lost people, the people who come to the Lord, will stay firm. The young churches, 12 lion churches right now, scattered all over the Long Wing area. 
they um, live in constant persecution by their family and friends. And they, during holiday time, they are testing to go back forward or to go, go, uh, go forward uh, with Jesus or go back to their ancestors' um, service. So they need strength, they need support, they need prayer. And uh, uh, our church, these 12 locations scattered here in their area, uh, we are looking to buy a piece of property. We have approved special already with the alliance. Buy a piece of property to build a center for um, that all the church people can come together for a conference or seminars for big gathering uh, like that. So pray for that. And um, uh, I didn't put it on, but if you want to hear about uh, Cambodian ministry, sign up. We send our monthly update to the, um, um, to the people to pray for support. Thirdly, um, we uh, live by the giving of the Alliance supporting through Great Commission Fund through the national office. If you are interested in the ministry of one partner, we invite you to support Alliance ministry in Cambodia and all over the world. And that would keep bringing the gospel to lost people over there. Fourthly, I came here, we came here to you. Now it's your turn to visit Cambodia. You have heard the stories. Don't just hear it. Come. Come see. Come taste. Come smell. Come see Kong. Amen. Come. Pastor Joe will come to Cambodia. So I hope to see you in Cambodia sometimes. Please come. We invite you. Our God is on the move. Our God is on the move. Lost people still matter to him. He wants them found. Won't you join his kingdom movement? As Matthew chapter 25 verse 40 said, The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of this brother of mine, you did for me. May God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you guys. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Sit and Sina. And God, thank you for what it is that you're doing. We are just simply servants. And God, you are the one that chooses to use us. You are the one that chooses to use people like Gong and Dee and, and others. And God, people are coming to know you in one of the darkest places of the world. And God, we just return all the glory and all the thanks to you. And just pray, God, so many new believers, so many that need to be discipled, and we just pray that, God, you would raise up the workers to go. We thank you that some are coming, but, God, we just pray for more. And we pray for protection over them. Pray for Sina, the many miles that they have to drive back and forth, and especially now at Christmas. And, God, just watch over them and protect them. Provide for them. Provide for people like Kong who get on their rickety old motorbikes and go out and three, four times to bring people to church. Provide for them. Watch over them. Watch over these precious churches. And God, I pray that more and more people will come to know you. Bring hope into the darkness. And God, as you have shared your word with us here, Lord, we have been learning that whenever you reveal to us what it is that you are doing, that is an invitation for us to join you in what it is you are already doing. And so, God, I pray, as we have heard your voice this morning, that, Lord, we will join you. We will respond. We will say yes to you and what it is that, God, you want us to do. Lord, I thank you and give all the praise and all the glory and honor for you to what it is that we've heard today. For God, it is you that heals. It is you that saves. 
It is you that brings people. And I praise you and thank you for this. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 We are going to make our way quickly now. If, we, if you would please um, pick up chairs and move them to the side. Parents, if you have children uh, up in the, in the children's area, if you would go get them. 